To you by Galinda Moser of Remax Living. Hello and welcome to Being Green. I'm Glynis Crook. We've all been so focused this week on Russia's invasion of Ukraine that the latest report by the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, somehow seems to have passed under the radar. You'll remember that part one of the sixth assessment was published last August and highlighted the scale of the effect that humans are having on Earth's climate system. Part two, released on Monday, finds that many of the impacts of global warming are now simply irreversible. But, however, they do say there's a glimmer of hope. The authors say we still have a brief window of time to avoid the very worst and secure a livable future on our planet. Well, I'm joined by Gina Zierogel, Associate Professor in Environmental and Geographical Sciences at UCT, who's also lead author of Chapter 6 on Cities, Settlements and Key Infrastructure. Gina, uh, what is your main takeaway from this latest report? Thanks, Glynis. I think my main takeaway is that it's been great to see adaptation progress, and we've seen progress in that regard. And what we mean by adaptation is reducing the risks and the scale of climate change, but we haven't seen sufficient. And so there really is this window of opportunity where we need to scale up adaptation. We need to understand how to reduce climate impacts. And we need to do it in a way that is fair and addresses the inequality that we live with in this world, particularly in South Africa. One of the shocking points that was made is that 40%, 40% of the world's population are highly vulnerable to the climate. And I'm assuming that a lot of them would be in places like across our continent, Africa. Absolutely. Many, many of those people are in Africa and also the chapter I was involved in, cities, many of them are in cities, and in the future, more of them are going to be in cities. So we really do need to focus on urban areas is one priority, and Africa is another. Of course, as, as you were pointing out, most of the world's population now lives in urban areas. There's been rapid urban growth across Africa, many informal settlements. Why does this increase the vulnerability? So if you're living in an informal settlement with limited service, limited infrastructure for water and sanitation, limited roads, it's very hard to adequately cope if there is a flood event, for example. And so if we can invest in infrastructure such as water and sanitation services, then you not only are able to deal with climate risk, but you also are improving the well-being of people and their general livelihoods. But one of the things that I'd like to point out is that water and sanitation and other grey and physical infrastructure is really important. But what our chapter really highlighted is that that's just one part of adapting. And it has been the focus of much adaptation efforts to date. What we need to see more of is things like nature-based solutions where there's more understanding of bringing the ecosystem in as part of your adaptation, more green areas, more retention ponds, better watershed restoration, and also more focus on planning and social policy. How do we prioritize that as part of adaptation, even though initially it might not have 
thought uh, or felt like it was a priority, we can see now that it is really central to adapting. How do we get people on board? How do we help governments to think about land use planning, disastrous management, health services that are all central to reducing the risks of climate impact? Just very briefly, because we don't have much time left, but for those who don't know, what kind of effects could one expect in an urban space should we not do what you suggest? So increased flooding is really a big concern with increased extreme events, and that's partly because of climate and partly because we've got lots of hard surfaces, roads that increase the flooding. So we're seeing these intersection of um, stresses that really we need to understand. Coastal cities really come out in the report as an area to be concerned about where there are sea level rise impacts, storm surge impacts on top of your urban heat island and there are a popular place. People are moving to coastal cities. So those are some of the things we are looking at. So what take city of Cape Town, for example, coastal city, we're going to be impacted more. What should we be doing here? So we need to think about the grey and physical infrastructure. And the reality is we have had infrastructure that has prioritised the better off in our cities, roads for those of us with cars. How do we think about making sure physical infrastructure is also developed to help people in low-income areas adapt? Uh, We have the Cape Flats in Cape Town, a very flooded area. We need to think about that both in terms of the infrastructure, the sanitation uh, services there, but also how do we get people involved? One of the parts that I was involved in is the procedural justice aspect. We can no longer rely on government alone. We have to bring in these multiple voices to make sure that we plan collaboratively. And that's a shift that government has to take leadership on, I think, because we need to understand those who are most impacted by these climate events and how they are experiencing them in conjunction with local government who can help to support adaptation implementation. We've actually run out of time, but very briefly, I think that was one of the points that came across in the report, not only here in Cape Town or South Africa, but there's a lack of political will. Absolutely. So we have seen a shift in political acceptance of climate risks and the need to adapt, but we haven't seen sufficient buy-in and leadership and political will from politicians uh, saying we need to do something about it. And the reality is we have to, and it'll support them in their cause, because if you have people whose houses are built in a way that is inappropriate for the expected climate events, you're not going to get voters in the future. So how can we think of ways that politicians really want to uh, support this because it's for their good as well as everybody living in this country? So much more to talk about, but we're very much out of time. Thanks to Gina Ziervogel, lead author of Chapter 6 of the IPCC report and also a professor at UCT. And that's it for this week from Eaglinus Crook. Take care and goodbye. Being Green was brought to you by Galinda Moser of Remax Living. Ask not what your community can do for you. Ask what you can do for your community. At Remax Living Real Estate, our ethos is built on giving back. From sponsoring music broadcasts to FMR's Being Green, our focus is on making your world more harmonious and our planet more sustainable. So when it comes to choosing a real estate partner, don't go for anything less than people who are maximum givers. Galinda Moser from Remax Living Real Estate. Yeah.